0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ordinary Courage podcast. Um, we had taken a little bit of a break over Christmas, and then um, we had we had kind of extended that break uh, for all of January, and so last week was our uh, kind of our 2021... Kickoff. Uh, we are still in season two here for Ordinary Courage, um, and if you're new with us, uh, we actually just launched Ordinary Courage uh, last July, and um, in the middle of COVID, and that we're still in COVID. Um, but yeah, so it's been it's been uh, it's been quite a journey, um, just uh, figuring this whole thing out and. So before we before we before I um just kind of get into a little bit of my story and stuff like that uh the things that I wanted to talk to you guys about today um I wanted to put a little plug in for the Terminator Foundation. And I know um I know some of you you know that are more local here and Calgary, Alberta and stuff like that, you're going to know, some of you will know about the Terminator Foundation, but we are, we actually have a lot of people uh, listening from the States, uh, places over in Europe. Um, It's actually incredible just how far reaching um, the podcast is, is starting to go. And so some of, some of you Folks out there may not know about the Terminator Foundation. And so I am, I'm I'm also like, I'm the host of the Ordinary Courage podcast, but I also founded the Terminator Foundation. And um, so, really, in a nutshell, what Terminator is it's a program for youth and young adults that are struggling with drug and alcohol addiction and mental health issues. And we train them to do triathlons uh, to help strengthen their recovery. And so we, um, yeah, it, we, I, I started the foundation about seven years ago and it just started with uh, a 5K run at the time just to raise awareness around the issue of youth addiction. Um, and and back then it was, uh, I mean, seven years ago when I started that run, it was, uh I was, I had been going through, uh, for those of you that know, again, um, I was going through uh, a struggle with my second oldest daughter, Eden. And um, long story short, um, some of those episodes are actually earlier on in season one where we talk about the story with my daughter, but Eden had ended up on the street and basically it just it was horrible it was just horrible the stigma the shame um and just the like everywhere we went for help whether you know our healthcare system places like that hospital nurses like all of that kind of stuff and so that is where the youth addiction awareness run came from was from from my own experience as a parent, and I just knew that I wasn't the only parent going through this, and there had to be other parents out there that were probably feeling the same as as I was. And so that's where the that's where the run came in. And then about two years into the run, uh, I launched the triathlon part of the program. And so now, today, um, seven years later. Um, we have a full-blown, um, I, I really believe that the Terminator program, like the triathlon part of the program, is absolutely a therapeutic approach to overcoming addiction and mental health issues. And we I, we see it, we see it with our athletes, um, we see them overcoming Meth addictions, heroin, fentanyl, uh, marijuana, suicidal ideation—you know, being able to significantly overcome depression, anxiety, um, all sorts of uh, mental health issues—and so I'm I'm absolutely pumped about where the program is today and where we're going here in 2021, and so. because I, uh, I kind of, um, well, I have the microphone, (laughs) so, and it, and Terminator is, uh, you know, is, uh, it's a huge part of my life, and, uh, it's probably in a lot of ways, it's like my baby, and, and so I'm really passionate about it, and so I wanted to just, uh, I haven't done that yet, actually, and so I wanted to just put a little plug in, um, for the Terminator Foundation. And uh, so I'll have some of the links and stuff like that in the show notes, Uh, but it's terminatorfoundation.com. And uh, what the vision, I'll just end with this, but the vision for Terminator is to see it go national. So all across Canada here. And then I really believe that Terminator uh, is meant to go global, and uh i'm i'm looking forward to the day that i see terminator in the states i see it in over in africa and europe like literally all across the world and so we first of all we'll uh we'll we're going to take over the nation of canada with the terminator run but uh yeah if you're interested in learning more about it please visit the website terminatorfoundation.com uh, you can learn more about the program uh, about the foundation uh the amazing people that we have on board and uh just um just really really grateful and astounded at how you know sometimes when we go through something that is can be so devastating there's actually so much good that if we if we allow it and if we maybe step out of our comfort zone, I know I had to do that in building Terminator and, but how there's, there's so many beautiful things that can come out of some of the, the ugliest things that we can ever go through. And on that note, (laughs) um, I, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit. um, So I, I, I have a couple of other episodes out in, I think season one, and I've, you know, shared a little bit more of my history and a couple of those and stuff like that. But I'm, so I have four children. Uh, They're pretty much all, well, not pretty much. They really are all grown. My youngest son is almost 18 and he'll be 18 in April. And then uh, they just all go up from there to, uh, 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 almost twenty nine and so i I kind of wanted to share a little bit about um and I was thinking a lot about this as I was preparing to sit down and and record and you know what I wanted to talk about and I realized like I, it just ends up being about it comes back to me and it ends up being about me and so. What I wanted to talk to you guys about was my my youngest son Gabriel's uh, addiction and uh, and mental health uh, concerns, I'll call them. And uh, I I've talked about it maybe a little bit. Um, I haven't. Uh, I've just been. I don't know that I have not tried to talk about it. I just, um, I don't know. I I think I've just been just dealing with it. And, um, and so Gabriel, like I mentioned, he's uh, he'll be 18 in April. And I think it was like a couple of years ago. I had, I ended up having to put Gabriel into treatment um, out in Saskatchewan. And so it's been uh it's been a bit of a journey and i um you know after going through everything that i went through with eden i i think well to be totally honest i think some of the reason why some of my hesitancy and just kind of maybe staying on the down low is um because like I mentioned, I have four four children, and um three out of my four children have uh, really escalated in their addiction um, in their addiction issues. And Eden, of course, um, ended up being, you know the worst um, case scenario. Um, but it's also been extremely challenging, uh, with Elijah and with Gabriel. And, you know, I have, um, I have a friend that we, when, when we do talk her and I talk about, you know, ACEs and just that intergenerational trauma, um, things like that. And I, um, you know, you, you, I, I have still, I still kind of come up against every once in a while, you know, like, oh, wow, um, it's, I, I'm surprised that your boys would use or whatever after watching what their sister went through, or you, you know, you'd think that your boys would have learned, um, after watching what their sister went through or how bad it got for her, or, you know, it surprises me so much that, you know, your your sons would use or they'd be interested in drugs or just all of the all of that kind of commentary around you know after everything your family's been through after everything you guys went through with Eden there there's this big shock of like oh my gosh like you know how could anyone want to use after you know just watching what Eden went through and what your family went through and stuff like that. And, and so just that, um, I don't even know totally what that is, you know, maybe some stigma, maybe lack of awareness, lack of understanding. Maybe sometimes we just say things without even really giving it much thought. And so, you know, and, and, sometimes that, I mean, those kinds of comments just, you know, shut you down. And it's almost like, oh, you know, it took, it took a long time to kind of even, you know, come out with the stuff with Eden. And it, you know, because we're, as parents, we don't want to be labeled as bad parents and nothing makes you a bad parent, air quote, bad parent, um, faster than telling someone that, you have a child with addiction or and or mental health issues and it almost is like this you know this badge right away that you know well what did you do wrong and and i i understand i you know i i understand the the aces um aspect or or um theory i guess Um, And I, I, I I get that. I believe in that. I, it makes sense to me. I see that. But I just also think too that it's so, you know, if we, so there's a few things that I kind of wanted to touch on here. And so one of them is just, and this, this goes, I think this goes all across the board. This, we could apply this in so many ways. And it is, it is that thing where it's like, it's that comparison and it's that, you know, well, it's almost like having an alcoholic parent, right? You have an alcoholic parent and then you grow up, you know, as kids and you become alcoholic yourself or you don't end up drinking. And And it's like, well, why why would you start drinking if you've seen the way your parents ended up? And, and it's almost like the same thing with this that I've faced with my kids is that like, why, why would the boys do that? Or why would Gabriel do that? Or why would Elijah do that after they've seen everything that their sister went through and what, what happened to her? And she almost died and stuff like that. And, and I don't, you know, if we could, (laughs) if we could just, you know, look at someone's life and I mean why 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 are all of the issues that we see in the world continuing then if if that's all we had to do is just look at someone and then decide to not do it that would just be enough to make us not get involved in that um behavior or act out in that way that's then the you know the the homeless shelters wouldn't be full then they wouldn't we wouldn't still have a homeless problem we wouldn't have any addiction issues we wouldn't have child sexual abuse we wouldn't have human trafficking then if we all just looked at that one person and and didn't do it like it's so much bigger than that the issue is so much bigger than that and it's so it's so it's so complex that it's that's not even a fair statement to make and so one of the other things I I've really been thinking about a lot is just you know i have i have four children and they all grew up in the same house they all grew up with the same parents they all but they all also in my family for us they experienced trauma in same and different ways And some of that is because they're one, they're all different people. They have their own personalities. They have their own characters. They have their own spirits. They're their own unique person. And the other reason for that is that they were all at different ages and stages experiencing um, trauma. And so, for my oldest daughter, Carissa, um, you know, her trauma was different. It was different than, say, Gabriel's trauma. And then, and then, even our life was different as Gabriel started to get older and stuff like that. So, it's just it's all of those things that make up. And it it's you know, so it's not they all have these experiences, and some of them have you know, have gone through different things than their other siblings and stuff like that. And so it just has, um, it's almost like made for their own individual recipe of pain, of, um, of trauma, of learning to cope, of, um, you know, having to, to go through loss and grieving and, and all sorts of stuff. And so when I, when I look at Gabriel and so, and and this is where too, in the very beginning, I said it really, I've, I really realized that this all just kind of comes back to me. And so what I meant when I, when I said that is, You know, because for those of you that are familiar with the story, like when I went through everything I did with Eden, and just her journey uh, through addiction and just where you know it took her, you know, it it got really bad. Just for a brief recap, like she ended up being homeless; she was on the street, addicted to heroin, fentanyl. It was really bad, and so going through that, and that was like five, six years of that. And so it was hell. It was a long time. Um, it was hell. And then even kind of through some of that process, um, my other son, Elijah started, um, you know, s- started needing extra supports around his addiction issues and stuff like that too. And so it just felt like it, that whole thing went on for a really long time. And so, kind of fast forward here now and, you know, Eden's just over four years in long-term recovery now. And, you know, my other son, Elijah's doing pretty good and he's out in Saskatchewan working and finishing school. And for the last couple of years, I've, I've had some really significant challenges with with Gabriel. And so Gabe is my only child at home now. Every Everyone else is off and grown and, you know, my girls have families of their own and stuff like that. And so it's just me and Gabe at home. And these last couple of years, like I mentioned earlier, like I had him in treatment a couple of years ago, thought that was It was great. He was there. He was actually in treatment. It was a a long-term treatment center in Saskatchewan uh, called Rock Solid. And so he was there for close to a year or just actually a full year. And he did amazing. He did incredible in that program. It was awesome. He came home um, in July and you know, not that I, cause I've been down this road a lot and it's, it's not that I thought we were going to ride off into the sunset, you know, or anything like that. But I just, you know, of course you, like every parent, you kind of hope for the best and, and hope that, you know, you're able to move past all of that. And it just really, he very quickly, um, just slid right back into all of those same, Old patterns of behavior started using again. Um, you know, when it came time for school in September, he very quickly was blowing off school. Uh, it just it went from bad to worse, like zero to 60 kind of thing. Just nose dived. And And honestly, for these last two years, it has been hard really hard, really hard. And it's, there, there have been a lot of ups and downs. Um That first year that Gabriel was back, he, you know, he left home, he was couch surfing for over a month. Uh, by the time he came home, uh, he was not doing well. His mental health had totally just kind of tanked um, that Christmas. He was in and out of the hospital. It was scary. It was really, really scary. And I remember, so that would have been not just this past Christmas year of 2020, but the following Christmas of 2019. And I remember our first, like having to take him into emergency and, you know, and then having to watch as he's taken into the psych ward and just needing to be assessed and that whole thing. And I, I could not believe that I was back here. Like I was back here in that back here dealing with this shit, you know, back in just that right smack back in addiction, just. The ugliness of addiction, the pain of addiction, the the turmoil of addiction, the insecurity, the insecurity of that addiction brings. And I remember walking out to the to the parking lot. It was six o'clock in the morning. We had been in the hospital for hours and hours. Um until he was triaged and all of that stuff. And it was horrible. And I I remember getting back to my car, it was six o'clock in the morning and I lost it. I lost it in the car. And I remember just beating, beating the crap out of my steering wheel. And I just grabbing it and pulling back and forth. I wanted to rip that thing right out of the, the dash, like I was so angry, I was so angry, I was screaming and crying and just why, 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 why is this? And just feeling, I remember this overwhelming sense of, this overwhelming feeling of, I I cannot do this, I cannot go through this again. And I, I, it was almost like I was having this, I don't know, I, this debate with God, this just pleading my case, like, you know what I mean? Like you, I can't, I just can't do this. I can't do this again. I don't have it in me. I don't have the strength. I don't have the fight. I don't even want to. Um, This is not fair. Um just all of that kind of stuff. I just almost like a, how dare you, how dare you let this happen to me again? How dare you let this happen to my family again? Like how, how, how can this even be happening? How is this even fair? How is this even right? Finally, I made my way home. And, and then also just the shame of it too. You know, I just was like, you know, just that feeling of like, what is, what is going on? Like, what is going on in, in my family? Like, and so that was kind of the, really the, the tipping point. Um That was when, that was the, my, a root, the, the rude awakening that just kind of, it was almost like there was a door and on the door was a sign rude awakening and I had just walked through the rude awakening door and there was like there was no going back once once I walked through the rude awakening door I was it was like it it just it's been rough ever since and so you know, kind of fast forward a bit and it just stayed like that. It was, it's, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, couldn't keep Gabriel in school, constantly missing school. Like a lot of the, you know, I know, I know this is a, in a lot of ways, this is a very familiar story for a lot of parents dealing with addiction and, just as a side note it doesn't always show up like this i i have also known families and youth that totally stay in school and they're straight A students and they are high and getting messed up on stuff every day um so it doesn't always look like this and uh, but for me it did for us it did for gabriel it did and so he just So it was just a constant battle with school and, you know, and then it just got worse from there, not coming home when he was supposed to and not abiding by the rules. And it just went on from there. And, you know, just several attempts to work with him and stuff like that. And then finally, so this all, this has been ongoing now. So all of this kind of stuff, just ongoing, 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 and then, you know, get to this kind of last fall of 2020. And then, oh yeah, how, how I can't forget the, the pandemic. And then the pandemic happens right in the middle of all of this, which totally just made everything worse um, for what I was personally dealing with, with Gabriel. And his using escalated um his mental health es- escalated e- everything just went went off the rails and and yeah this last year um you know he just started to get more aggressive and more violent more you know just outbursts of anger and rage and, and self-harming and things like that and Um, and then, so this is all through now kind of 2020 and then just before Christmas again here, just this past December, 2020, we're again, back in the hospital, a couple more stints, you know, in and out, just stressful. And then, you know, and so, so this, so I'll just kind of speed up a bit. So then this brings me to, um we'll just jump into January here. So January, it's 2021. It's a new year. You know, we're all hoping to put some of the COVID stuff behind us. Hopefully, you know, a new year, hopefully some new starts with some things. And so I had been holding on, I, I feel like white knuckling it, um, from this, say, late November uh, to early January, because I had finally uh, convinced Gabriel to go back to treatment and, you know, and just to get the help that he needs. And he agreed to go. And so, but we, you know, we had to wait. There was, um, there was a bit of a wait list and stuff like that. And so I, yeah, just kind of holding on through the holidays. Christmas was was um well, and and this is the thing too is uh it's like well, I'll just yeah. So Christmas was okay in ways because of just other parts of my life and other parts of my family. And then I and then on the flip side, I'm dealing with all this stuff at the same time. So I had some like really wonderful, beautiful moments at Christmas and then I had some really ugly shit to have to deal with at Christmas. And, um, and then we get into January and, um, you know, Gabriel is, uh, I, we, I get him off to treatment and, and so we make the drive, you know, to Saskatchewan and get him back into treatment again. And, you know, he's there and he was only there for, so this is, oh gosh, where this is probably like around the 4th or 5th or something of January here, 2021, and got him in and he was only there a few days. And then I'm starting to get calls from the center and stuff just about his, his violent behavior and just making threats and stuff like that. And long story short, I, it's decided that, you know, Gabriel needs to be uh, escorted to the hospital in swift current. And so that happens. So the police come, the ambulance come and he's taken off to the hospital in swift current for a psych evaluation. And I don't, that did not happen at all in swift current. I'm not sure what they did with him for 48 hours, but it definitely wasn't a psych evaluation. Um, and then he was discharged, and then I had to go pick him up and so I went and got him picked him up um, and i and I brought him home and so that was on January twelfth uh, i brought I brought Gabriel back home to be with me and i i i Yeah, so I, you know, I kind of even in my head, I'm just, I'm almost back at the same place again, where I'm just, I can't handle this, you know, just that, all of that kind of commentary. And, you know, you know how there's like, there's always like a moral of the story. And so... I'm, I'm, I'm slowly getting to that here, but this is, this has, uh, you know, you know how people say like, you know, with, I'm jumping a little bit here, so just, you know, jump with me, but you know how, and pardon my French, cause I'm going to say the F word, but, um, you know, people, you know, there's those like the hashtags and there's stickers that people will put on their vehicles, like bumper stickers and stuff like that. And it's like, hashtag fuck cancer, you know, and stuff like that. And I, like, I get it, but it's like, oh, hate cancer, hate addiction. Like these, like just, I hate addiction and stuff like that. And I've been, I've been thinking about that a little bit lately. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't love addiction um, by any means, but I I don't know that I could actually say that I hate addiction. I really don't like what it does. Um, I, you know, it causes a lot of pain. It causes, I mean, it rips people apart. It rips families apart. It's Probably one of the most destructive forces that I have ever come up against, other than I think you know what tops it is like child sexual abuse and just which I mean if anyone studies addiction long enough a a lot of a lot most more often than not um not a hundred percent but more often than not. There's been some form of, you know, child abuse and stuff like that. Not in every case, so don't, you know, don't get me wrong, but, but I also, you know, going through all of this stuff, and this is a really roundabout way of getting to kind of like the moral of the story, but I, I have actually learned so much about myself because of addiction that I, Wouldn't have learned without going through these things, without going through these stories with my kids. And uh, so, like, you know, all of this stuff with Gabriel, like, you know, when you're you know, so I'll be talking to these people cause I'm, you know, I'm on the phone. I'm trying to find a program for Gabriel. I'm trying to find counseling, I'm trying to find different supports that are out there with, you know, that are available here in Alberta. And, and I know a lot of stuff that's out there just because of what I went through with Eddie, but some of it I have forgotten too. And so I'm just like, okay, what can I do for this kid here and stuff like that. And, and so you, you know, and then they'll talk to you, like they'll ask you these questions like what, you know, can you, can you describe your son? Like, can you tell me what are the good things about your son or what is his, you know, be, you know before all the drugs and all the kind of like the bad stuff happened, what, what was the character of your son like and stuff like that? And, and so I'll get asked these questions. I've been asked these questions the last couple of weeks since, uh, since we've been home from, um, the treatment and the hospital there in Swift Current. And Gabriel, like, and this is where, you know, it's so important for us as people to remember that when we see someone in active addiction, that's actually not even who they really are. That that's That's what addiction does it changes them but that's not in their core in their spirit in their soul that's not who they really are and i you know i'm i'm explaining who gabriel is and i'm you know the some of the first words that come out of my mouth when i talk about my son is he's loving He's one of the most loving people I know. He's He loves his family. He adores his family, his sisters, his brother. He absolutely is mesmerized and adores his nieces and nephews. You know, he, he loves being an uncle. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's incredibly funny. Um... He's thoughtful. He's sweet. Like he's so sweet. But that that person is not always who I've been dealing with this this last couple of years and especially the last several months. The person that I've had to end up dealing with a lot has become... Violent and angry and unpredictable and sometimes even scary. But I know, I know that deep down that my son Gabriel is, he's still in there. You know, and I I remember going through this in a different way with Eden. And I, I remember when I, you know, I didn't know if Eden was dead or alive. She was on the street. It was horrible. And then every once in a while, I would have a chance to see her. You know, she'd reach out and give me a call and say, Mama, can you meet me? And, you know, if I was able to meet her, I would meet her. And uh, I remember sitting with Eden sometimes in Tim Hortons and sometimes we wouldn't even talk like a lot of times we didn't even talk we didn't need to talk i just being with her and being in her presence was enough for me but i remember being able to look into her eyes and i could still see my little girl i i could still see my daughter was in there I could see her soul in her eyes. I could see she was still in there. She was still alive. The true essence of Eden was still alive. And it gave me hope. And even now, going through this with Gabriel, and I, every once in a while, I have glimpses of my son. And I can look in his eyes and... I, I can see Gabriel. I can see my son. I can see my, my sweet, beautiful boy is in there. And so we're kind of, you know, some, and this is obviously, this is probably not done for me because I'm, we're not done. We're still right in the middle of the shit with this. And, uh, You know, but one of the things that going through what I went through with Eden taught me was to just live in the moment, live in the moment, stay in today, like stay in today one day at a time, you know, this too shall pass and to just not have, you know, expectations, you know, obviously boundaries, really learning some solid boundaries and, but going going through this again here with Gabriel, one of the big things that I have, I have chosen to do is to not kick him out. And, you know, sometimes that has caused, you know, a few ruffles in our family, like with my other kids and stuff like that, because, you know, with Eden she, well, I can't even really say that Eden was kicked out because she, she just, she didn't, it was kind of like, these are the rules. If you want to live, want to live here, you live by the rules kind of thing. And, and she just, she didn't want to be at home. She left, but, and it, and it was different too, because I had other kids at home. It was just, it was totally different. And just like I talked about in the beginning, like just because all my kids are in the same family and they're brothers and it doesn't mean that they're all the same they're not they're all different and that was that journey with Eden and so this time with Gabriel I mean I did kick him out in the beginning and we and we did all of that kind of stuff and it just I don't I don't know it has just changed for me this time and I don't know that I fully understand it yet some of it is I'm really concerned for his mental health. And I just know that some of it is the fact that we have a freaking pandemic going on, you know, and then with the lockdowns and stuff like that, and just really, truly what could happen to my son if I did kick him out. And I'm just not ready. I'm not prepared to live with that decision if it goes sideways. And so I'm just it things really are different this time with Gabriel and and I'm making different decisions this time you know and I'm just learning different things and I'm learning different things about myself and so back just kind of circling back to that you know I <sighs> you know how in the you know in the beginning I was saying Just when it was all started, like, I just, I can't do this. I can't handle this. This is not fair. Yada, yada, yada. Well, I mean, some of that is true. It's not fair, but it's happening. And so, and what I have realized too, is that I had to end up having, and I can't totally remember when I had it, but at some point here, Over the last several months, I've just had to have a real serious sit down with myself and, you know, just talk to myself as a mother and my role as a mother, my role as a parent. I am a single parent. I'm the only parent that these kids have. They don't have another parent to go to. They don't have another safe home to go to. I'm it. I, I'm it. And so I just really started to ask myself some hard questions like, yeah, this is not fair, you know, and it sucks that this is happening again. And it's hard. And it's scary and it's exhausting. It, it It's all those things that we know that it is. But it's also not Gabriel's fault. You know, yeah, he chose to start using and stuff like that, but he also chose to start using at a horribly young age when he probably didn't even really know what he was doing or what he was getting himself into. And he probably felt better, truth be told. And so he kept on. And, but I just, I really started to look at it from just his perspective. Like he is my fourth child. He's my youngest. You know, I chose to have four kids. I chose to be a mother to four people. And so how do I now all of a sudden, because it was, we've had a rough go and I've had a few years, like it's been exhausting and stuff like that. But how do i give up now how 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 do i have the right to give up now like it it's like it's like a really long marathon it's like one of those really crazy you know trail running you know those insane runs that we hear people doing and it seems like it goes on forever and i i almost feel like i'm on one of those runs and it's like you you can't quit now. It, it's not over. You'll be disqualified, like. And so, I I just really, I just really realized that you know, Venetia, you are. You know, you have your little pity party. Have your and some of it's legit. Like, don't get me wrong. Some of it is legit, but at the same time i i'm in it i'm in it and there's no getting out of it and there doesn't there's no quick fixes here for gabriel or myself and so i have really realized that i just need to you know take what i have learned and be willing to be stretched more further, longer, harder, like, and if I, if I, you know, I know that Gabriel is no accident. He's not here by mistake. He is totally chosen to be here. I chose to have him. I wanted him. He, and so I basically realized I needed to, you know, pull up my big girl panties, pull, you know, pull up my straps, and figure it out, figure it out. And just having that awareness and just realizing, you know, making that very, very, very conscious decision to be all in to be all in for Gabriel to be all in to fight for him to be all in to help him find his way i have no idea how long that might take i don't know what that might look like um today where we are at right now i'm i'm not choosing to kick him out i'm choosing to you know, have boundaries, but at the same time where he's also open to looking for help and looking for support, he's willing to go back into treatment. And so we're waiting, you know, for another opening to happen here at a different location. And it might not be, he might not be able to get in there until he's 18, which is in April. But we're just taking it one day at a time and i i don't it it's you know we can i guess i guess you know the moral of the story <laughs> is that we can we can go so much further than we think we can go we can dig so much deeper than we think we can dig. And I, you know, Gabriel going through this with Gabriel has taught me that. And, and I also really like, if I don't fight for Gabriel, who will? Like who will? And so I, you know, I I have also really realized a lot about, again, like I said, a lot about myself, a lot about my own boundaries, a lot about love, a lot about tough love. What is tough love? What is being selfless? What is, you know, and it's not saying to put up with like shit and abuse and stuff like that. But if I actually believe that you know, my son is not, he's not in control. It's not a matter of a moral choosing or a moral failing, or, you know, if I actually believe that his brain is being hijacked by his addiction, you know, there's some stuff that's going on now. There's, you know, his mental health, it's like, it's depressing, he's struggling with depressions, all all of that kind of stuff, right? If I actually believe all that, then it, it makes room for me to be more compassionate. It makes room for me to not take some of this stuff so personally. You know what I mean? Because Addiction, when you're, when you're in a relationship with someone that's dealing with addiction, it can feel really personal sometimes, especially when they're mean and especially when they're cruel. And, and I've experienced some of that stuff with Gabriel, but I also, what keeps me holding on right now where we're at today is that he's willing to get help. And so I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe three months down the road, he does it. I do end up having to make the decision to have him leave our house. I don't know. It could come to that. I don't know right now. But what I do know for today, which is, which is all I've got is today. What I do know for today is that he's willing to get help. I'm willing to support him. And so right now we're we're making the best of a really hard and sometimes difficult, sometimes painful situation. And we're, yeah, just taking it one day at a time until he can, we can make another attempt to get into another program, this other program. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if, uh, I don't even know if I really, if I really had a moral of the story. I don't know. (laughs) I'm, I I don't ever really go back and listen to my own episodes because, um, well, probably because I'm too hard on myself. And then, and then I, I definitely don't listen to them, um, before I, upload it and get it onto the website because i would probably delete the whole thing and feel like i want to start over again but i just really um you know one one thing that i have learned in all of this and i'm i'm grateful that i've learned all of this like through all of this through all of the crap through all of the this like these addiction journeys in my family is I've learned that we can have joy and sorrow at the same time. We can have joy and sadness. We can have joy and loss. I can have gratitude and a heavy heart at the same time. Because this, like this past January here, my oldest daughter, Carissa, had her fourth child. And I was there for the whole entire thing. I got to be there for the whole experience. I got to support my daughter through that. I got to watch this woman, this warrior woman with absolutely no pain intervention of any sort, literally bear down and birth her child into the world. It was beautiful. You know, it was, and I remember as you know, we're going, we're going through this experience and she's finally at this stage where, you know, she's on the mattress, we've got her on the mattress and it's time to push. And, and I've got her leg up and I'm holding her, her kind of like her arm, her forearm kind of thing where, you know, we're like trying to sandwich her so she can push the baby out. But I, you know, and she's pushing and pushing and bearing down and bearing down and, you know, and, and as the, as the baby's head, little Silas's head is starting to crown, I can see, cause I'm my, I'm right there. Like I'm, I'm like, I like to be right in the thick of things. And so I'm, I'm right in there Um and I can see my grandson's head start to crown and just the size like and 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 then I knew it like it had gotten to this point at you know in in that moment of pushing where you know you could kind of see it on the midwives faces and stuff like that and I could even see myself like this is a big baby we got to get through here and You know, and, and they're, they're trying to, you know, make things a little bit easier there and, you know, lubricate stuff there and stuff. And, and they're like, Chrissy, you need to push. Like they're saying, you really like this is, you need to really bear down. And I, I remember it for a split second, a split second. I, I had a, just a quiver of like fear because I, I caught. I caught where really how um, I don't want to say serious, but, but it was kind of serious at the same time. Like this is, you know, this is, she's going to have to bear down harder than she's ever bared down in her life. Like we, we got to make sure this baby comes through. Like we get this head through. And I remember just for a 2nd there just being a bit fearful. Like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is serious and like a little bit scary. And I remember just telling Carissa, like, you know, like daughter, like push. And I remember just being right in there. Like, and I, I guess I was yelling, you know, I was yelling at her and I'm like, push, push, like hard daughter, hard, as hard as like, basically you need to push with your whole life, your whole, like, everything. Life depends upon you pushing this baby out right now. You need to dig in deeper than you've ever dug in your entire life. You know, and she did. She did. She brought that baby through. He was nearly 10 pounds, that that little guy. He, well, was not so little, but yeah, he looked like a little boxer when he came out. But I, you know, so that was like in the midst of all everything else that's going on in my life, I'm experiencing the greatest, experiencing the greatest joy. The, you know, so much excitement, so much happiness, so much joy, like joy, 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 and just gratitude. And, but that, that whole birthing experience also reminds me of, you know, sometimes when we go through things in life, you know, and, and Carissa would tell you this herself. She, and she's, she, she just, her and I were talking about this even just the other day. And she, that was her fourth child. And she said, you know, I thought, I thought God would just kind of like you know, it's my fourth kid. It's kind of like a rite of passage I've earned. I've earned like a break here now. It's my fourth kid. Like it should be just come easier and less, less everything. You know, it should just be able to kind of, you know, pop them out and be on my way kind of thing. And she said, instead, it was the hardest, most painful of all my deliveries. And I just think about that in respect to what I'm going through with my son Gabriel right now. And I'm having to dig deeper than I've ever had to dig before. And, you know, and even though he's my last, he's my last child, he's my last, you know, person to kind of, send out into the world and to leave the nest. And it, it, in a lot of ways has been a real struggle because I kind of thought, Oh, here, you know, he's my last. It should be a little more smooth sailing here. I'm a total pro, you know, went through everything, all the other stuff I've gone through, like it should be easy peasy here. And now, and then it's, you know, it's not. And so I just, so yeah, I just I'm you know, so I'm dealing with all this stuff. I'm Gabriel's in you know, psych ward. I'm calling the police, but at the same time my daughters are having babies and I'm there's all of this other amazing stuff going on. Like in this in the month of January, um Terminator was also approved for a $150,000 grant for our foundation. And so I'm, you know, Chris is having a baby I'm being approved for a grant. But the day before, you know, I'm calling the police because of Gabriel, like just such high, high highs. And then, and then it, like a roller coaster and then just down fast and hard and some really horrible, horrible lows in January. And and just learning to be in the moment and learning to not not stay stuck and really take care of myself through this and you know make sure that I'm checking in with my people and getting the support that I need and going for my runs and not taking myself too seriously and and you know, the biggest thing is just trying to love on my son right now. I'm trying to love on him every chance I get, every chance that he'll let me. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm, I am already starting to see just little, little slivers of light, little slivers of breakthrough. And yeah, I'm, You know, just choosing to believe that, choosing to believe, choosing to have hope, choosing to have faith that we will get through this. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to look like, but that we will get through this. You know, the serenity prayer, like God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And courage, you know, it takes courage to be in hard places and to love when they're unlovable. And addiction really makes people unlovable. But it's just it's it's like an outer shell it's not the real person and you know love and love and joy are are pretty powerful weapons and yeah i guess I guess that's really all I had, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I guess that's really all, I guess that's really all I have to say. Um, I know, you know, it's February 2021, we're still in the middle of COVID, there's still a lockdown. You know, I know that COVID has absolutely escalated addiction and mental health. I know that there are a lot of hurting families out there right now, hurting kids and hurting parents. And I, you know, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. alone. And I, yeah, I guess I, you know, I'm just, I just, I just really, I just know that this thing impacts so many people, so many people. I'm, uh, really really grateful for for all you guys for for listening um i hope some of this made sense <laughs> um i'm not very good at like you know making bullet notes and writing a script and stuff like that i kind of just um go off the cuff here and you know i get something in my head and then just start talking i don't know maybe i should sit down and do more bullet points and stuff like that but anyways this was this was it and uh, I just, I really want to thank you guys for, for following along, for subscribing. Uh, please, you know, if you, if you get anything out of Ordinary Courage, please pass it on. Please share it with a friend, like just pay it forward, pay it forward. Um, and for those of you out there right now, you know, parents and families that are addiction and mental health is really has really left a mark on your life. I just, we, we really can get through this. And I, I really believe that. I really believe that. And so I really hope that you reach out for support. If you're struggling with an addiction yourself, please reach out, please reach out. Um, yeah, I know, um, just jumping in again about Terminator Foundation, um, for our area here, like Alberta and stuff like that. Um, we have a resources tab on there and we, there's a ton of listings in there for different areas for support and stuff like that. But wherever you are at in the world, um, if you just, you know, Googled like addiction and mental health, there'd be a ton of resources that I'm sure would come up, uh, in your given wherever location you're at. And so I just, um, don't, don't, don't stay in it. Don't stay in it by yourself. Um, and yeah, I guess that's really, that's really about it. So grateful for you guys. So grateful for our Ordinary Courage, uh, listeners. Uh, and again, this is the Ordinary Courage podcast. You can find us on pretty much every single platform out there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, like I think we're almost on all of them now. And uh, so again, please uh, subscribe, follow along, uh, pay it forward if you are getting anything out of the Ordinary Courage podcast. And I really, really... um just glad to have you guys with us. And uh, thanks again. And we will talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye.